Turning your Bibles to Acts chapter 17, and uh, if, you, if you need uh, two scriptures, uh, then you could do Hebrews 7, all right? So we'll, we'll start at uh, Acts chapter 17, and then somewhere in the message we'll get to Hebrews 7, but we'll also cover a lot more. I think this will be the last message in the series, Jesus. Next weekend, I know I'm going to preach a special Mother's Day message. So if you want to bring your mother um, or your wife and to honor her, who's the mother of your children, um, next weekend I'll do a special Mother's Day message and then we'll just see what happens after that. So, but this week I want to talk about the Christ, that Jesus is the Christ. We've talked about him being the, the latter, uh, the servant, the shepherd, the teacher, the Eucharist, the human, the builder. We talked about several things, but this weekend is the Christ. Acts 17, uh, look at verses 2 and 3. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, this talking about the Jews, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ, or because he was talking to Jewish people, he's probably said the Messiah, and I'll explain to you the difference in those words and the similarities of these words, all right? And then if you want to look over just to chapter 18, Acts 18, verse 5, when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. And then down in verse 28 of Acts 18, For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the Scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Christ. So why is it so important that we understand that he is the Christ? And then what does it practically mean to me that Jesus is the Christ? All right, so Christ is uh, from a Greek word, Christos. So it's only in the New Testament. Because New Testament's written in Greek, Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So it's only in the New Testament. It's in the New Testament, though, think about this, 571 times the word Christ from the Greek word Christos. Here, here in the Old Testament, it's Messiah and it's Mashiach. You probably heard Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Mashiach, and, and I'm really not pronunciating it correctly. Uh, if you talk to a Jewish person, I asked one of our, my Jewish friends, I said, how do you uh, pronounce this correctly. He said, Mashiach, and something came out of his throat when he said it. So, there's a when you speak Hebrew, and I'm not good at that. So, uh, but why, why didn't they just say Messiah? Why, why didn't, why do they use the word Christ or Christos to describe Messiah? Here's the reason. Mashiach, the Hebrew word, is in the Old Testament 39 times, 39 times. It's translated 37 times, it's translated anointed. Only two times Messiah. 37 times it's translated anointed. Why? Because it means the anointed one. So the closest thing when they're writing the New Testament in Greek that they had to the Hebrew word Messiah was Christos. Anointed one. Jesus is the anointed one. One. That's what Paul was saying to the, to the Jews that he was trying to say to them, he is the anointed one. 
He is. Jesus is the anointed one. Now, in, in Israel, in the Old Testament, God commanded them to anoint, and it comes from the root word of Mashiach Maha, He had commanded them to anoint three groups of people. You've probably heard of these three groups of people, but maybe you never put it together in one teaching like this. The three groups of people that Israel were commanded to anoint were prophets, priests, and kings. Prophets, priests, and kings. Let me just, if, you, if, you're, if you've got Hebrews 7 a finger, we'll go over there a long time from now. Let me read you a few other scriptures first. Exodus 30, verse 30. And you shall anoint, there's the word, that's the root word of the word Mashiach. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as priests. Okay? You shall anoint and priest. By the way, he's talking to Moses here. I think it's interesting because in this next verse, I'm going to show you, he's talking to Elijah. Moses and Elijah, these were the two that showed up on the Mount of Transfiguration and talked to Jesus. Moses represented the law and Elijah represented the prophets. Even when Jesus referred to the Scriptures, being the, what we call the Old Testament, but at that time there was no New Testament, when he referred to the Scriptures, he referred to the Scriptures as the law and the prophets. And isn't it amazing that Moses and Elijah shows up? And I'm showing you a verse where Moses was to anoint the priest. Now watch this verse to Elijah, 1 Kings 19, verse 16. Also you shall anoint, see the word anoint, Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king. So you shall anoint a king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of hard word, of hard word, hard word, I just thought that was easier than making a fool of myself. So, watch. You shall anoint um, Elisha as prophet in your place. Now, remember this verse. I know we laugh a little bit, but he told him to anoint the king and the prophet. And this was Elijah talking. And then Moses told him to anoint the priest. You see what I'm saying? Prophet, priest, and king. Now, what does it mean that Christ is the anointed one? It's very simple. It means that Jesus is my prophet, my priest, and my king. He's, he's anointed to be a prophet to me, and a priest to me, and a king to me. And let me just show you, so you have, so you have no doubt, Scripture again referring to Jesus, who we know is the Messiah, as prophet, priest, and king, all right? Uh, Deuteronomy 18, 18, he's speaking again to Moses here. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth, capital H. And he, capital H, shall speak to them all that I command him. And by the way, we know this is Jesus because Acts 3 quotes this verse and says Jesus is the fulfillment of this verse. So he says, I'm going to send the anointed one one day, a prophet, I'm going to send a prophet, and we know it's Jesus. So there's Jesus as the prophet, prophesied in the Old Testament. Here, now watch priests and king, talking about Jesus again from the Old Testament. These are messianic scriptures, scriptures in the Old Testament that prophesy that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christos, the anointed one. Zechariah 6.13, yes, he, capital H, shall build the temple of the Lord. Obviously, Jesus is the only one that can build the church. He even said, I will build the church. He shall bear the glory and shall sit 
and rule on his throne. That's a king. A king sits and rules on the throne. So he, he, Jesus, capital H, shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. You see it? So here's, here's what's so wonderful about this. Jesus is the Christ. He is the anointed one. And so God has these foreshadows all through the Old Testament, and these foreshadows are three groups of people, prophets, priests, and kings. He says, I want you to anoint the prophets, I want you to anoint the priests, and I want you to anoint the kings. They don't even know why, but God knows why. He said, because one day I'm going to send you the prophet. I'm going to send you the priest, and I'm going to send you the king. He's coming. So, prophet, priest, and king, so we're, I'm going to answer, ask three questions, but the answers are my three points, all right? So, my first question is, what does it mean that Jesus is my prophet? And here's the answer, which is point one. It's real simple. It means I can hear God. In other words, I'm going to take a theological understanding here of the Messiah, and I'm going to break it down to something extremely practical that you can walk out of here with. What does it mean that God, Jesus is my prophet? It means I can hear God. Now, I'm going to say this again because that was not that exciting to you. <laughs> but if you think about that for a moment, with your family, with your children, with your job, whoever your spouse is going to be, whatever financial situation is, let me tell you some good news. You can hear God. That's really good news. That is very, very, very good news. And you don't have to have someone else hear God for you. Now, I believe in counsel, godly counsel. I believe in making it sure it confirms to the Word. I believe in making sure we have peace in our heart. There are all sorts of confirmations and, and uh, steps that we go through in hearing God. But I want you to know something. You can hear God under the new covenant because Jesus is your prophet. Uh, Jeremiah 31, verse 34, speaking of the new covenant says, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, know the Lord. Now, I love this. For they shall all know me. They all shall know me. Now, I really like this part. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. I just want you to know that the benefit is the forgiveness of sin and knowing the Lord, and it's from the least to the greatest. So if you, th if you think you're the least, which you're not, but if you think you are, you get the same benefits. Just coming to Jesus, you get to know God, and you get your sin forgiven. And because of that new covenant, then we can hear God. God doesn't have to speak to us through someone else. He speaks through His Son. Jesus is my prophet. I can hear God. John 10, 27, Jesus said it this way, my sheep hear my voice. Now, I'm going to tell you something that might actually shock you. You do not have a hearing problem. As far as I, I could it's just see some guy, what did he say? Okay. I don't mean physical, okay? All right. I mean spiritually. You don't have a hearing problem, and God doesn't have a speaking problem. Let me tell you what the problem is that we have a recognition problem. Sometimes we don't recognize that God is speaking to us. And the reason we don't recognize His voice many times is very, very simple to overcome this. Let me, let me give you a thing. Well, I just told you, Debbie and I this weekend celebrate our 35th 
anniversary. Okay, let me tell you a story. You tell me if you think this is true, okay? Debbie called me on the phone last week and said, hey, and I said, who is this? You think that's true? No. You want to know why? I know her voice. It's the sweetest voice in the world. Oh. <laughs> why can't you ever say anything like that, Harold? Okay. <laughs> I know her voice. She knows my voice. Why? We spend a lot of time with each other. I'm telling you, you can come to the place where the Holy Spirit can say to you, hey, and you know immediately He's speaking to you. You know it's Him. So we, got, we just have to learn to recognize His voice. And, and there's, this, there's this concept that we have to have this Old Testament type of prophet, that they're the only ones that can hear God. People still have that this day. I got a, a letter from a guy a while back, and he was, he was in a, he was, it was manipulative, but he thought he was doing it in a, a complimentary way that I wouldn't recognize, but it was simply manipulation. He basically was saying, you know, it's good that you surrounded yourself with good leaders, and we have great leaders at Gateway, but, but you also need a prophet in your life. And basically, he wanted to be my prophet. I didn't even take the time to write him back to tell him, I already have a prophet. His name's Jesus. I have a prophet. And I do believe, I do believe in the prophetic gift, but the prophetic gift in the New Testament is different than it was in the Old Testament. Because God speaks, listen, you can all know me. That's what he's saying under the new covenant. All will know me. Uh, I'll never forget... Um, one time at Shady Grove, I, when I was associate pastor, Pastor Olin was the senior pastor. That's our Grand Prairie campus. Uh, this guy came up afterwards, and we could tell he was, you know, um, um, messed up, you know. Uh, and I, I don't mean in a mental way. I mean spiritually. There are a lot of… Uh, let, well, let me give you the theological term, kooks. Uh, that's a Greek word, kooks. That's, that's plural. The singular is kookos. So anyway… <laughs> So there are a lot of kooky people. I don't know if you've met them, but they're kooky. So he came up and he said to Brother Earl, he introduced himself. He said, I'm a prophet and I have a word from God for you. And Pastor Olin, mild, meek, humble, I've never seen him respond this way, but he recognized this guy's spirit wasn't right. And he said to him, no, you don't. And the guy said, yes, I do. Pastor Olin said, no, you don't. You don't have a word for me. He said, let me give you, let me tell you why you don't have a word for me. He said, let me ask you a question. Am I a pastor? Am I a pastor? And pastor, and this guy said, uh, yes, you're, you're a pastor. And pastor Olin said, am I your pastor? Because he knew he didn't come to the church and he probably was one of these floaters that just kind of floated around trying to get attention, you know. He said, am I your pastor? And the guy said, well, no, you're not my pastor. Pastor Olin said, well, you might be a prophet, but you're not my prophet. <laughs> now, I know God can speak through anyone. I know that. But his spirit wasn't right. But my point is, I just want you to know, you don't need to hear God through someone else. We can hear God through others, but you can hear God directly. So that's what this means. So I can hear God. All right, here's, here's number two. Number two is, what does it mean? It means I can talk to God. What does it mean that he's my priest? 
What does it mean that Jesus is my priest? It means I can talk to God. In the Old Testament, only the priest could approach God. And I'll tell you something that might shock you, you might not even know about. They could only approach God once a year. Once a year. Now, they had to offer a sacrifice every day, a morning and an evening sacrifice. They offered the evening sacrifice for any sins that you committed that day on your drive home from work and someone cut you off. And they uh, offered the morning sacrifice in case you got up in the middle of the night, stubbed your toe, said something you weren't supposed to say. So they offered a morning and evening sacrifice, but they could only approach God, come into the most holy place once a year, only one time. And only, listen again, only priest could approach God. Why? Because they were anointed to approach God. But remember, Jesus is your priest, and Jesus approached God for you. And let me read you this verse. Now I'm in Hebrews 7, by the way. Hebrews 7, verse 27 says, who does not need, talking about Jesus, our high priest, does not need daily as those high priests who offer up sacrifices. Those are the daily sacrifices. First for his own sins and then for the people's. Now watch this carefully. For this he did, these are my three favorite words in the New Testament. These are my three favorite words of the New Testament. For this he did once for all. There they are right there. Once for all. When he offered up himself. It's in Hebrews 9 and Hebrews 10 also. It's in Hebrews 7, 9, and 10. Those three words. Once for all. It says he sanctified us once for all. Uh, He sanctified us and he, oh, entered the holy place once for all. Once for all. Here's, here's what I want you to catch. There are no more payments due on your account. Not by him and not by you. Your account, if you're a believer, has been marked paid in full. He is never going to sacrifice himself again. He did it once for all. So that means, according to this, watch this, Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Okay, if you ever have a need, not only do you get to go to a throne of mercy and grace, but you can go boldly. Because Jesus is our priest and he's cleared the way for us to go we can go boldly to the throne of God. So you can talk to God about anything, anytime, anywhere. That's what I want you to know. You, I, I can hear God. Jesus is my prophet, so I can hear God. He's my priest, so I can talk to God. This is such a better message than you think it is. This is so good. You don't have to play it. I'm just telling you this is good. I can, I can hear God. Is that not exciting? I can hear God. And I can talk to God about what I'm going through. Uh, I told you years ago about what Debbie and I, after we first got married and started having kids, the only luxury we had was a, a, we bought this little hot tub. And when I say little, I mean little. It plugged into the 110 outlet, okay? <laughs> you didn't have to have the electrician come out like you do now for him. I mean, it plugged into a regular, uh, okay, 110 outlet. So, and we would sit in that hot tub every night when we get the kids to bed. And we had this little baby monitor. They first came out with them. One time it fell in the hot tub. I've told you this before, it fell in the hot tub. I picked it up, I dried it off. It's great though, because after that, the kids never cried again. 
Don't judge me. They turned out fine. They turned out fine. <laughs> Developed their lungs. Okay. All right. So anyway, <clears throat> but we I'll never forget. We were sitting in that hot tub one night and we were talking about things and she got real quiet. And she leaned over like this to tell me something, and she kind of looked like, you know, we're in our backyard, like to see if anyone was there. She didn't want anyone to hear this, and she whispered. She said, I'm going through something right now. I said, what, what do you mean? She said, it's the first time in my life, but, and then she whispered, I don't have a desire to read the Bible right now. And she was really worried about it, and I said to her, sugar. You need to tell the Lord that. Here's what she said. She said, oh, I don't want to tell him. <laughs> I said to her, he might have just heard you say that. <laughs> and of course, then it dawned on her. I said, sugar, he knows your thoughts. And we all go through that. You just tell him. You just tell him. You know what I've been telling the Lord since January. I'm, I'm going to share at the next habitation. I hope you can come. I've been telling the Lord since January, I want to have a personal revival. I want to fall more in love with you than I've ever been. And it's amazing what's happening in my heart because I'm telling him I need this. And he's saying, okay. So I can hear God. I can talk to God. So what does it mean that he's my king? Here's number three. I can walk with God. I can walk with God. That's what it means. Because he's my key. Listen, think about this. We all want to walk with God, right? We all want to walk with God, but we have these things, right? Okay, I can overcome those things because he's my king. He's the king of kings. Revelation 17 says it this way, verse 13. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. Okay, he's the king, but he's not just the king. He's the king of kings. Okay, I want to say something. This is a theological statement, but I'm going to say it in such a way that it's a truth that I hope you catch this, and I hope you never, ever, ever let go of this, all right? Listen very carefully to me. Satan is not Jesus' counterpart. Many people, they would never say it, but in their mind, they kind of think the Father's up here and Jesus and Satan are battling it out. Listen, Jesus is not doing battle with Satan. We battle Satan and the demonic forces. He has already done the battle and won. He's not battling him. He made a public spectacle of him and he disarmed him and he destroyed all the works of the devil when Jesus came. He's not battling him. And you need to know Jesus is the creator. Satan is the created. If Satan has counterparts, they are Michael and Gabriel. Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer are created angels. Never, never put Satan on the same level with Jesus Christ. Here's, here's something else to think about. Jesus is the king. Satan is a prince. He's the prince and power of the air, the Bible says, and he's the prince of darkness. Okay, he's a prince, but he's not a king. 
And even if he was the king, I know the king of kings. <laughs> Jesus is the king. All right, let me give you one illustration. There's so many, from, as you know, I, know the, I love the Old Testament. So many things in the Old Testament that, that come alive in the New. But let me give you an illustration. And just think of what this represents, okay? In the Old Testament, there's a king we're all familiar with, King David. King David one day said, is there anyone left from the house of Saul that I can show kindness to? Saul was the king before him. They said there's one left, Mephibosheth. A guy named Mephibosheth. Let me say it again. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Okay? The reason I say that is I have a pastor friend, and he, lets the, he would let the young preachers preach on Sunday night, and one of the young preachers preached a whole message on Mephibosheth. <laughs> it would have been better if he had said hard word. All right? So Mephibosheth. What, when you think of Mephibosheth, most of you probably, if you've been in church for a while, you've heard of Mephibosheth. What do you think about when you think of Mephibosheth? He was lame, right? Okay, he was not born lame. A lot of people miss that scripture. He wasn't born lame. When Saul and his, who was his grandfather and his father Jonathan, when Saul and Jonathan were killed the same day in battle, word came that they had died in battle. So his babysitter picked him up and took off running with him to hide him from David who had already been anointed to be the next king. And while she's running, she dropped him, and the Bible says he became lame. And what that means is that one or more of major bones in his legs were broken, could, could not be repaired. So he could never walk again at that, because of science at that time couldn't fix that. So he was lame for the rest of his life. Now, I want you to think about this. When he's watching the other kids play, when he can't run, when he has to be carried everywhere he goes, when he asks why, one reason, David. He believed that David hated him and wanted to kill him. He was hiding in a town called Lodabar, which is just, it's not on the way to anywhere. <laughs> it's called Lodabar means a dry, barren wilderness. Now, I want you to see the similarity. How many people believe that the king is mad at him? He believed this his whole life. And David said, is there anyone left that I can show kindness to him? They said, there's one, Mephibosheth. So they bring Mephibosheth, and he says, I'm going to restore to you all of the land of your father and your grandfather. And I'm going to make you my own son, and from the, for the rest of your life, you're going to sit at the king's table, and you're going to be a king's son. Mephibosheth says this, who am I? such a dead dog that you would do this for me. Now, David did not answer that question, but we know the answer. If he had answered, if he'd have verbalized it, this would have been the answer. David, uh, Mephibosheth saying, what have I done to deserve this? Here's the answer. What have you done? Nothing. You didn't do anything. But you see, there's a covenant between your father and the king. That's why the king is showing you kindness. See, a lot of people believe that on the cross, God made a covenant with us. But God didn't make the new covenant with you because you couldn't keep it. He made the covenant with the king. The father made a covenant with the king. And we believe it 
and we get in on it. And because we believe in Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, all we have to do is believe. When we believe, he becomes our prophet, we can hear him. He becomes our priest, we can talk to him. And he becomes our king, we can walk with him. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to just take a moment, just like we do every weekend, and just say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me right now? Are there some areas that you need to talk to God about in your life? Maybe you feel like Debbie did. I I don't want to talk to God about this. He already knows. He just wants you to talk to him about it. You can tell him honestly that you're, you're struggling right now. You can tell him that. He's okay with that. Are there some areas that you need to hear God? You need a word from God. You can talk to him about that. Are there some areas where you're struggling that you need victory in? You need the king to come in and kick a prince out of your life. We want to pray for you. No matter what you're going through, if you're going through any type of difficulty, every campus, every campus, every overflow room, if you're going through any difficulty, then in just a moment, we're going to have one more worship song. And when we stand, when we stand up, you just slip to the aisle, come to the front of the campus or the front of the room where you are, and let us pray for you. Just let us pray for you. We want to pray for you. If if you've got a difficulty, swallow your pride and come ask for prayer. Let us pray for you, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen.